0: The scripture for today's sermon comes from Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 15. The word of God speaks to us. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. This is the word of God to us. Thanks, Britt. Hey, good morning. So good to get to be with you. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Dylan. I'm our pastor for Community and Mission, and today is a really exciting day. Obviously, as you saw, we got to commission new group leaders, and it's not lost on me that uh, there are a lot of churches in our city or in our nation that are not um, seeing more people jump into the mission of God, so it's a grace for us today. And then, like Corey said, there's going to be a group connect after this, and if you've been with us, we've been preaching through the book of Mark. And this week, we're actually going to take a break, and we're going to talk about community. So I'm going to pray, and we'll jump in. Father, we're so aware of our need for you today, we're so in need, or we're so aware of our need for gospel community today, in a world that is really suffering from loneliness and anxiety and depression. We're so grateful that you've brought us into a family, God, that you've included us in your body. And we're a part of your bride that you're sanctifying. But Jesus, we need your help. We need your help as we live in your community. So as we open your word today, would you please open our eyes to what you have to say to us today? Would you speak powerfully? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few years back, I almost bought a timeshare. I don't know if you own timeshares or not, but I was walking through a store and a lady with a clipboard came up to me and she said, do you want to go on a free vacation? So I sarcastically responded, how much do I have to pay to get the free vacation? In a moment of truth, she said, $55. I said, that's not bad. That's not bad. Tell me about it. And, and she said, well, you'll have to listen to a timeshare talk. And I said, I don't, I don't want to do that. She said, well, we'll put you up in a hotel for three nights. We're going to send you to Branson. I said, I hate Branson. I hate it. I know some of you love Branson and you're entitled to your opinions, but I've got the microphone and I don't like Branson, okay? And so so she said, "Well, what if what if I give you a free cruise?" And I said, "Oh, okay." So actually, I don't like cruises. I've never been on a cruise, uh, but I don't like them. I've decided. Uh, My wife, she really likes cruises, and I like free. So we paid $55, and we went to Branson, and we listened to the timeshare showcase, and we get to the moment when they pull you back into the room, and they're running you through the financials, all right? I've got a little bit of a business background, and I'll be honest, I was sold. I was in. I don't even like Branson, but I was convinced. This is where we were going to post up. Um, you know. But w- when you talk about going to a timeshare, there's all those people, your friends and your family that say, hey, don't buy. Don't buy. You're going to regret it. And so in the meeting uh, with, with these people, I said, hey, why does everyone tell me that I'm going to regret it? Why does everyone tell me that I shouldn't do this? And I kid you not, they were like, you're going to love everything. Everything about this is amazing. It'll be the best investment of your life. You'll be so grateful. Your kids will be grateful. Everything is going to be perfect. And so I walked out. I couldn't trust them. It was like I, I even wanted to buy, but I felt like I was being sold something that was not true. I think sometimes when we talk about gospel community, it can sound like we're, t- we're selling a timeshare. Sometimes when we say, hey, jump into a community group, it will be the best thing you ever did. And be like, you'll have friends for the rest of your life. You don't even have friends now, do you? Oh, sorry. You know, you'll have the best friends. Your marriage will improve. Your kids will recite scripture to you for your bedtime, you know. My wife and I, we, uh, we host a community group in our home. And so uh, she, she actually leads a community group. She was the one on the end that's getting commissioned. She leads with a single friend of ours. And so we love hosting. And our group starts at 5.30, but of course everybody shows up late, right? And so whenever the doorbell rings at 5.30, it's a new person. Of course, we're, you know, we kind of go get the door, and we're cleaning the dishes from the day before and picking up the kids' toys. And inevitably, they kind of say, I'm at the right house, right? <laughs> there's a group meeting here. We're like, yeah, there are people coming Trust us. Just wait. Sorry, we're cleaning. And, and, and ultimately, you know, the, the group shows up and they sit through the group. And I, I kind of am in my head. I wonder what they want. What are they there for? Are we meeting their expectations? Because I know that at the end of the day, what they're going to find is that our community group is just a group of ordinary people in an ordinary living room just trying to follow Jesus. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer is an incredible theologian who... He stood in the face of Nazi Germany in World War II and proclaimed the gospel. He wrote a book called Life Together, and it's on community. It's really good. But uh, he describes the greatest danger to authentic community is someone's idealistic wish dream of community. And that can be my ideali- I- ideali- sorry, idealistic wish dream, or it could be the new person coming into my group. I used to idolize the early church, and I would think if we could just strip away all of this church stuff and get back to the early church, then we'd see the power of God really move. The verse that Corey read earlier for you, they were gathering in homes, and they were selling their possessions and giving to all who had need. And I think, man, if we could just get back to that, that was really ideal, and God moved in powerful ways. The problem is you don't have to read much further before you see that. Actually, lots of people are withholding. Um, their possessions. And in fact, when they're dispersing those funds, the widows get overlooked. Like, if you're going to overlook someone with money, don't overlook the widows, right? And if you read the New Testament epistles, Paul's writings to the church, what you'll see is in the first chapter, he's saying all of these amazing things that are happening. God is moving in incredible, powerful ways, and this church is absolutely amazing. But if you read the rest of it, you'll find that they're actually really messy, too in the book of 1 Corinthians, he doesn't even get out of the first chapter, and the heading title break in the ESV says, Divisions in the Church. Soon you find that there's sexual immorality that's really rampant there, and then a few chapters later, he has to tell them not to sue each other because they were suing each other. Like, I know your community group's tough, but I don't think any lawsuits are getting filed right now. So what you see is in this community, it's it's actually really messy, but at the same time, one of the metaphors for the church is the church is the bride of Christ, and that that means that even amidst the mess, amidst the things that are hard, that Jesus is working to bring the church community uh, to himself. He loves the church. It's his bride, and he's not giving up, and so we shouldn't either. As we look at the, uh, at the book of Colossians chapter 3, I want you to see that community. It may be messy, but it is beautiful. And it's vital. And, and it's beautiful and vital because it's first, it's chosen by God, bound by love, and ruled by peace. So let's look at, look at verse 12 with me, and let's talk about how it's chosen by God. It says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Before we talk about the imperatives of community or what community is supposed to do, I want to talk about the identity of community, who we are. Here's what you see. You see that community, we are chosen by God. What that means is it's not an accident that you're in the room right now, but there's actually a way where the Father's love is the initiating love that brings us here and brings us together it says that we're holy that means set apart for god and that we're loved a theme all throughout the bible is the family of god if you think about in the in the early part of the old testament with abraham god speaks to abraham and says i'm going to make you a father of many nations and then when moses is speaking to pharaoh on behalf of god he says god says let my son israel go And that thread gets drawn all throughout the prophets, and it makes its way into the mouth of Jesus. And virtually the the primary, almost the only name that Jesus says for God is Father. And when he teaches us to pray, he teaches us to pray to our Father. In John chapter 1, it talks about how anyone who would believe in the name of Christ is given the right to become children of God. So here's what we see. This community, it's chosen by God. God is Father, and we're adopted into a family. And that makes us not just a small group, but it makes us family. It makes us brothers and sisters. Now, this family, we might be tempted to think that the family of God would be perfect. But if the family of God were perfect, then none of us would be there. You see, family is actually really messy. I don't know about your family. I'm I'm grateful for my family, but we had a lot wrong too. Family is complicated, and even God chooses complicated families. Let's look for a second and consider Jesus's community. The people that Jesus surrounded himself would have been pretty taboo back in that day. Um, first off, uh, you know it was it was pretty taboo to spend a lot of time with women, and Jesus is actually surrounded by women who are older than him and women who are his age. And and those are the people that he decided would actually minister around him. On top of that, let's talk about his disciples. None of his disciples were first-round draft picks. They were like free agency at best, right? Let's talk about a few of them. Jesus comes uh, preaching a, a message of faith, but one of his disciples goes down in history as Doubting Thomas. He preaches a message of compassion, but you've got James and John, the sons of thunder, because they have anger problems. You think about Peter, he's the leader, and he actually denies Jesus three times. Think about the political division here. You have Matthew, a Roman tax collector, and Simon the zealot, who's a part of a religious military sect that would murder Romans if they got the chance. It would reach across political lines. Now, the last thing I want to think about, I want you to think about is Jesus' death, right? At the end of his life, he's actually abandoned by everyone in his community. And that comes because of a betrayal of someone who he chose to be in his community, Judas. I want you to see that Jesus, who is God, he actually chose this community that none of us would have chosen. And and through that, he worked to transform them into a people that would carry his gospel message and transform the world. That can only happen through the power of God. I think we can be tempted um, in our lives today to, if, if we experience something that's hard or we feel rubbed the wrong way by someone, we could be tempted to bail on community and think that there's something better out there. But I want you to see that, that God chooses complicated communities. And, and he's a father and we are family and family doesn't give up on each other. Family stays. I want you to see that God, he's, he's a father reuniting a fractured family, and that's what you're being invited into. Now, here's what that means. It's chosen by God. So if, if you're here, and you know how messy you are, and you're afraid to let other people see it, you, if, you're, if you're afraid if people knew how hard your life was or the things that you've been through, and you would think no one could ever love me, I want you to know that you've been chosen by God that you're loved and you're invited into a family and you can bring all that you are into that family. On the flip side, we don't, choose our, we don't choose our community. We don't choose our family. God doesn't. So that means if you're frustrated with someone or if you're angry with someone, I want you to recognize that God chose for them to be with you. And that's out of his love. God chooses these complicated families and it's an opportunity for us to grow there's a moment where we'll actually, in these types of communities, we're going to see our need for God. Now, growth can happen in so many ways. God is moving in in all different areas of our life to grow us, right? There's a way where in your marriage, or in your singleness, or in your friendships, or in church gathered, or in your workplaces, or even in solitude, God can move in powerful ways and grow and transform you. But one of the most potent ways that he's going to do that is in community. At the same time, I, all of our community groups are supposed to be intergenerational. They're not necessarily grouped up by life stage, socioeconomic status. We don't have the Runners for Jesus group. Now, I just want to say, if, if, if that's you, if you have a supper club or if you have a small group like that that you've kind of created and it's around people that you love, I'm really grateful that you're doing that. And I think that that's absolutely worth it. Um, I think that there are so many ways that God can bless you and grow you in those spaces. But I, I do just want to say that you might be missing out. You might be missing out on a chosen community by God where you're around different people that cause you to grow and will cause you to display the love and the power of God. We'll talk about that in a second. But I just want to say, if if you look around at your community and you think, I would never choose this, you're probably in the right place. So here's a question for you to consider. How would you live differently if you treated your community as family? Would you let them see your imperfections Would you ask for help? Would you date differently if you saw community as family? Would you open your dinner table more? Jesus says the world will know that we are his by the way that we love each other. And so, first we need to see that we are family. Second, I want us to consider the way that gospel community displays the power of God. Look back at verse 12 with me. We're going to see that gospel communities are bound by love. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The essence of Christian community is a community of grace. It's one of bearing with each other and forgiving each other. It's one that will require you to put on compassionate hearts, to put on kindness and meekness and humility and patience. Paul tells us to do these things not because it'll be natural. It's not natural at all. Paul tells us to do these things because he knows we're going to have to. He knows that if you put any amount of people in a room they're going to have complaints against each other. So, so you need to forgive each other. You need to bear with each other. You see, it's, it's through these communities that we're going to see our deep need for God. I have a fear that after attending church for decades, that I'm going to get towards the end of my life, and someone's going to ask me this question, hey, when was the last time you repented? When was the last time you recognized that you actually need God? And I'm not going to have an answer. I think there's a way where sometimes we can get so comfortable. You live your life the right way. People are going to see you as something. But we might get so far down the line and realize that we don't even know where we need God anymore. And so in that, community is a grace to us because it shows us how we need God. And I think that's beautiful. I think in community... There's going to come a point in time when there's someone who you disagree with and you're going to get to your limits and you're going to want to just run and you're going to ask, you're going to have to ask for God to help you. In community, we are going to see our own sinfulness and we're going to have to ask for forgiveness, which is really hard and really painful. The language here is that love love binds us together. It's like we're tying a rope around others and saying no matter what happens, No matter what you do, no matter what I do, we're not going anywhere. And I just don't think we see that in the world today. I think that that only happens because of the power of God. But first, I want us to see the way that God has done that for us. So I'm going to read out of Hosea chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they didn't know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. Do you see that when, when Paul calls us to do this, it's, we have to recognize that God is the one who's done this first, God is the hero here. God is the one as the father who has, who has brought us into his family and has raised us up and held us while we were low and has tied cords of kindness around us to lead us into this community. This verse in verse 13, it says, Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Church, we have to, we have to remember our forgiveness. Think about Christ God and 100% man, and the purpose of his sinless, perfect life was to bear the full weight of our burdens. On the cross, when he died in our place, receiving the wrath of God for our sins, and three days later, he rose again, defeating the curse of death so that anyone who believed in him could be forgiven and adopted as sons and daughters reconciled back to the family of God. Christ willingly, he gave up his life. He was was bound to the cross by nails, but he's all-powerful. He could have just stepped off. He was actually bound to the cross by love. Romans 5 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is an undeserved grace that bound Christ to the cross. And so when Paul calls us to bear burdens and to forgive, we have to remember that none of us would even be here if it weren't for Christ doing the same for us. So remember that and realize the incredible grace that God has given us so we can actually offer that to the world. If you're going to be in community, you're going to have to put these things on. Think about when it's cold outside, you're going to put on a jacket, right? It says, other translations say to clothe yourself, with compassionate hearts to clothe yourself with kindness and humility and meekness and patience it's not already on you you're gonna to have to put it on but it's a reminder that god is the one who fills us and forms us and allows us to do that and here's what i want to say it's through that it's through that type of forgiveness that grace transformation reconciliation it's through that that we see beauty and that's so vital for us today it's so important for us today. It's important for us not just to see it, but to experience it. It's important for us to give forgiveness. Sometimes it's even harder to receive forgiveness. So church, with, with this family, I just want to say, when things get hard, family stays. A, a point about bearing with each other. If you think about bearing with someone, it's like if someone is carrying a weight that they can't carry, you actually get up underneath it and you bear it with them. And that's what we're called to do. Think about a brother who is in addiction or someone who is struggling with deep depression or suicide or divorce. Our types of communities are communities bound by love that bear with one an- with one another and we don't leave them out to dry, okay? We're a community that bears with each other. And this is how we grow. This is how we grow. So I want to ask you a question. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Because gospel communities are bound by love, who do you need to move forward toward today? Do you need to forgive or ask for forgiveness or bear with someone today? Now, these communities of grace, they will display God to the world. Look back at verse 15 with me. We're going to see that gospel communities they're ruled by peace. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I think if there's one thing this world needs, it's peace. If you look around the world, the farthest thing away seems peace. Most commentators tie this verse to a verse in John 14 when he's at the last supper. And Jesus is feeding his disciples and he's speaking with them in the midst of the moment when Judas is is betraying him. So think about Jesus. He's in the most chaotic, scary time of his life. And this is what he says to his disciples, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Look at this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I want you to see that even in the midst of chaos and anxiety, Jesus, our Lord, can have peace through the Spirit. He can have peace because he trusts God, and it's that very peace through the Holy Spirit that that transcends our understanding that's available to our communities today. I want to encourage you to consider, where do you need peace today? Where do you need peace today? Like Father like son, um, if you think about the sermon on the mount, Jesus says blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. I want you to see that that the Holy Spirit gives us peace and that peace of Christ is something that we can offer to the world that so desperately needs it. If you think about a hospital room, think about someone who, uh, think about they've been gotten off of the ambulance and they're wheeling in a patient, maybe they've got some devastating injury on their body, right, there's carnage here, they're making a lot of noise, they're in pain and agony, maybe the family is crying out, medical professionals whizzing around the room. Then there's a moment that the doctor steps in, confident, patient. He's able to make sense out of the chaos and save lives. I think that that's what our community groups need to be. They need to be communities full of the Holy Spirit that gives peace that transcends understanding where we've forgiven and born with each other in a way where people who are wounded and anxious, people who, who have seen the way of the world and they're scared, they can actually come in and they can experience the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of peace. And I believe that they'll see it and they'll recognize that it's a better way. So these communities, communities that are chosen by God, that put on compassion and they, they bear and they forgive, they will be ruled by peace. And this is a powerful gift that we get to offer the world today. So, here's a question. Where do you need to trust Christ's peace today? Church, as we close, I'm not trying to sell you a timeshare. Community is complicated. It's messy. It's hard, but it's absolutely worth it. It's beautiful and it's vital and it's in the midst of that difficult, messy nature that God does transformative and powerful work. And here's what I want to say. This is really happening here. My specific job at the church means I am responsible to know what's going on in all of our community groups. And I don't know everything, but I hear stories every single week about incredible power of God changing people's hearts. People growing and maturing. People who have anger issues repenting and asking for forgiveness. Single moms receiving care. Medical debts being shared amongst the community. There are really powerful, beautiful things going on in our community groups. People stepping into the midst of a struggling marriage and supporting. Walking through divorce. Things like this. And at the end of the day, community is you being invited into a bigger story and being invited into a family that is deeply loved by God. I want to offer that invitation today. If, you, if you've been living as a Lone Ranger Christian, I totally understand. Um, I think that it makes a lot of sense. But I want you to know that Jesus' church is his bride, and he loves her, and he's not going anywhere. He'll never give up on her. And I encourage you to not give up either. At the same time, if you're sitting here, maybe you've been really wounded by people. Maybe you've been betrayed. When I talk about God as Father and, and, and us as family, all you can think about is how you've just been left by your own family. I want you to hear really loudly and clearly that I'm really sorry for that. That's not God's heart. God is a, God is a Father who's reuniting a family. And so if, if you're not ready to get into a community group today, that's okay. We're going to have pastors and deacons up here at the end of a service uh, that would love to sit with you and pray with you, and hear your story. And if you're here, and you're in a community group, I'm so proud of you. You're doing the Lord's work. Lives are being transformed. And I just want to encourage you, when things get hard, stay. When things got hard for Jesus on the cross, he stayed. And so as we image him, we stay. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, I'm really grateful that you're here. I want you to know that uh, being a Christian doesn't mean that you've got it all figured out. It doesn't mean you have all the answers, obviously. It actually means that you've recognized that you don't have the answers. And we're really needy for the grace of God. And so, if you're interested, you're more than welcome, whether you believe in Jesus or not, to join one of our community groups. And at the same time, if you want to step across the line of faith today, you can do that. And we're going to have pastors here ready um, to pray with you at the end of the service. But you do not have to believe like us before you can belong to a community group. Now, last, I just want you to see the Trinitarian power of God that is at, mit- that is at work in our midst, okay? Sons and daughters, I want you to remember that you are chosen by God the Father. You're bound by the love of the Son, and you're ruled by the peace of through the Spirit. God is forming a family, and you can be a part for His glory, for your good, and for the hope of the world. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you've, you've brought us here together. I'm so grateful that amidst what feels like fracturing all throughout our world and brokenness, and outrage, and anger, and anxiety, that somehow you've done a mighty work to make us family. You've done a mighty work to bring us in as members of your body, and that we are your bride. So grateful that you're not going to give up on us. And I just pray for our church. I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be distinct. That we would be the type of people that forgive, and that bear, and that put on, all of the things that you've called us to put on. And I pray that we would be places of peace and of refuge for people who need to see your kingdom in a better way. Would you do a mighty work in our midst? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.